0: obsessed with all things ovine, there is seriously something about sheep and always something new to learn about keeping, breeding and farming them. Welcome to the Sheep Show podcast. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. The Sheep Show podcast exists to help you no matter where you are in the world, what sheep you breed, what size your flock is, This podcast will help your sheep knowledge and your shepherding confidence grow. And it's a two-way street. I love to hear from you and find out how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at au. Come along on this episode as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. started to do some farm consulting as part of our business growth and our business strategy and of course a lot of you know we have the amazing Chris who has been delivering on some of that farm consulting for us but I'm interested in sharing with you I suppose what we do when we farm consult but also using this for you particularly if you are looking at buying a farm potentially and you're thinking of running sheep on there and what sort of decisions what sort of things would you think about how would you do your own little mini farm audit if you can't get us to come and do it typically the farm audits we do are for people who already have bought a farm but of course you can use the same strategy if you are thinking of buying a farm looking at farms all those sorts of things to help you make your decision. So I'm going to assume for the purpose of this particular conversation that you are thinking of having sheep on this particular property. So obviously with different livestock, like if you're going thinking of running pigs, you're going to look at something completely different and look at the land, look at the environment very, very differently. So for us, when we are thinking of doing a farm audit, we look at seven key areas in that, on that particular farm. So we go along visually, visually with the the owner of that property and we are assessing certain things on the farm. So those seven things, I'll just run them through for you. And then I'll go into each of them in a little bit of detail to help you. If you are looking at a farm for sheep, what to look for. Potentially you could even do this for your existing farm and just determine, okay, what are we going to do over the next five years? Yeah. So you can use it in both ways. So the seven areas are fences, uh, gates, water, shade and shelter, uh, your sort of loading, uploading. So your sort of loading facilities, sheep handling facilities, and then storage generally. Now, in all of that, then you can sort of think about different elements. So if we look at the fence elements particularly, so again, I'm assuming that you're going to run sheep. And you're going to be lambing as well. So, typically in sheep enterprises, you're not sort of fattening sheep or whatever. Most of people do. But more often than not, we're lambing as well. So, I would first of all um, look at making sure that your fences are going to be sheep proof and lamb proof. Yeah. And they're two very different things. Yeah. So, usual ring lock is larger squares and lambs will just scoot right through. So we went with a ring lock, which has a larger squares at the top, smaller squares at the bottom. And that allows us to um, basically keep in the lambs. Now our lambs are pretty good anyway. They stay with their mums, most lambs do. But by and large, when they get older, they start to be a little bit sort of um, teenage <laughs> and they can sort of go uh, wandering. So the ring lock I would look for, or if again, if you were starting to refence a particular paddock, go with that sort of sliding scale of ring lock. Larger squares at the top, smaller squares at the bottom. This also works really well if you're going to have other potentially other animals in that particular paddock in the future. So it gives you the option to do things like pigs potentially, because again, smaller at the bottom is more. Um, Sturdy for them too. And it does give the uh, fence a little bit more structural integrity because the, the it's tighter at the bottom or smaller little uh, squares at the bottom. So, walking around your paddock, looking at do I have ring lock in my particular paddock? I'll just give you another example. I had a lovely local couple come to me wanting sheep. It was Weathers for their own freezer. And they had their first their their paddocks redone beautifully fenced absolutely beautifully fenced and it probably cost them a fortune but because they hadn't really thought about a an audit of their fences and uh, what they're wanting to achieve they had done barbed wire all the way around I think it was like uh four strands of barb yeah four strands of barb all the way around and of course buying, particularly buying teenagers, and then fattening up the sheep. So they bought six-month-olds from me, I think six, six-month-old weathers. And, of course, I had lots of grass, but paddocks were too big, and the weathers were too wayward, and the fences were not appropriate for sheep. So think about what is it you want to do and then fence accordingly. The other thing with that ring lock is, um, now five, or just on that five strands of barb, would probably be better than four. Yeah. Or you can put ring lock over the barb. So all these sort of things help. But barbed wire, even though it is very much a nuisance to fence, uh, but we do a barb at the bottom, then the ring lock, a barb at the top of the ring lock, and then another barb on the top of that. And that means that the fence uh, is secured with the nice tight strain of the barb at the top and the bottom. And then the extra top barb also means that nothing will push on that particular fence. Cows, horses, alpacas, deer even, kangaroos, all these sorts of sort of creatures that we have to live with, they're not going to ruin the top of your ring lock. So you definitely want to finish off your ring lock with a barb and you're going to be able to strain a barb much much more. I mean, we do strain our ring lock, but still it's never going to be as tight like a sort of guitar string as a, as a barb. I'm um, talking of tightness. You really want to be careful about having any looseness in your fence. Sheep don't like it. You know, it, it just cause issues. So try and keep your, your fences as tight as you possibly can. So looky, if you are buying a property, look around. Think of the fencing that you might have to do. And then if you think about perhaps how much fencing would cost, then you can start to think about, well, how much would it cost for me to fence one particular paddock if I was going to fence in ring lock? And am I prepared to actually spend that? Yeah. So if I just give you an an example. thing actually costs. Here is an Australian cost per meter of hinge lock or ring lock fencing and we're looking at $25 a meter. And it's not getting any cheaper, by the way. <laughs> so $25 a meter. So at a meter, you know, for me is like a large step. That's what I measure out a meter as. So it's pretty costly. Yeah, it's pretty costly. Um, And that is, that is just the cost of the actual fences. That obviously that's about... Um, the materials, buying materials at $25 a meter, and then you are going to have labor costs on top of that. And depending on whether it's you, you and someone else, you and a friend, if you're paying a contractor, then again, you're looking at somewhere around $100, $120 an hour for a lot of fencing contractors. Plus, you're going to have to wait a long time so as you're auditing, I'm not making farming sound really appealing, am I? But as you're auditing your fencing costs, you can look around and think, okay, what's the fencing situation? How much would I be prepared to cost, pay for fencing if I was going to buy a new property or if I was auditing a new property, what it would actually cost me? So fencing is essential. Fencing will help you double your powering capacity. Fencing will make your life an awful lot less stressful and you can sleep at night. It's, uh, it's crucial, and it's probably one of the most biggest expensive costs that you're going to have. Um, we had, Gary had a, a, um, a colleague, work colleague come on the weekend, um, and actually, Rachel, you did say you are going to listen, so hey, Rachel and James, if you're listening. Um, and uh, one of the things James said to Gary was, gee, you've done a lot of fencing. Yeah, we, we, we still fence. We fence less now we'd love to have time to fence more and we would seriously fence but we we just have so many other things on fencing unfortunately gets a a lesser priority but in the uh, early days fencing was it it was just fence 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 we would just fence night and day rain hail or shine we would fence and we got contractors in do the fencing we got contractors in to drill the holes You know, we did fencing lots and lots of different ways. Um, We use our Freshman's Farm Week to do a lot of fencing as well. So wherever we can get um, labour, all sorts of labour, we will sort of smash out some fences. And we still have like 40 acres that we haven't even touched when it comes to fencing. So we're we're not benefiting from that 40 acres as much as we possibly could um but anyway we'll get there we'll get there so we're still auditing our farm for for fencing needs but it's an essential element let's move on to gates uh look at your gates as again you're looking at your farm or this new farm to buy and you're looking at uh are uh, are the end assemblies strong enough for the gates are the gates falling over and therefore do the end assemblies need to be replaced <laughs> oh, a whole other wall game. Now, the end assemblies will vary depending on where you are. If you're in New South Wales, you'll use steel posts, for example. If you're down near the um post, you might use steel posts as well. We use treated pine posts. It's, I mean, a lot of people think, what is going on with these treated pine posts? It's just horses for courses, and you just need to look around you at your neighbor's fence and see what works for them. I think that's really the best strategy. And even though we don't have very many other sheep farmers here. Uh, we can see the end assemblies and we can see the structure and the way that the gates hang and the way the fences hang. So end assemblies means means good gates, uh, secure gates. You want your gates to close. You don't want them to be too, uh, too much of a gap between the post and the gate, not for sheep anyway. And then you also want to make sure that the gates are either low to the ground or they will have a little skirt on the bottom. The skirt on the bottom is often like a little piece of wire or um, mesh that will stop particularly, again, lambs from skirting, literally skirting under the gate. Uh, Also check the hinges on the gates. Some of the hinges on gates, gate packs, they call them, are like a nightmare to replace, to use, and they fall off the hinges all the time. So we use a Norton gate pack. Um, which is really easy to install and it has a lot of little screw bits to it. So it sort of screws in the gate. It's not one of the ones that just sits on the little hole at the top of the gate. And that um we find that that quite is quite useful. And even think about your gate openings. Are you wanting to have vehicles go in and out, out of gates? Are you wanting to be able to turn? Uh, What about tractors? What about trucks? So maybe using double gates in some areas, maybe using 10 or 12-foot gates in other areas, or maybe you might even need a pedestrian gate. Pedestrian small little gates aren't great for animals, by the way. But, you know, an 8-foot gate or a 10-foot gate can be fine for an animal. Nothing wrong with that uh, either. So the size of the gate, the hinges, the um, end assemblies, the closing, the latching, all those things of the gate. And again, you want gates, hopefully, not to drag on the ground. It's not great for the gate to have to be lifted and dragged, but sometimes that's just the way topography is. We spend a lot of time trying to sort of dig into different um, areas. But if we've got a, a crown in a road, so it slopes down either side to get the drainage, and particularly for us, we need a lot of drainage around roads, we often find that the gate will drag on the ground. So it's a sort of one of those challenges that we have, but that's better than having particularly gates that are used a lot, having skirts on those gates because that's a pain if you want to drag it too. So there's your gates. You need to look at your gates, do an audit on your gates and see what will work best for your gate situation. You can pick up gates. They're actually not uh, like a 10 foot gate's about $100. So it's not it's not expensive at all. They're very lightweight. You can bring them home on your ute um, or just get them delivered. They're, um, they're not too expensive. Next is water troughs. Sheep much prefer to drink from a bucket or water trough rather than from a dam. They will drink from a dam if they have to, but they much prefer it. Um, and, of course, what you want is you want it to be low enough for the you or your lambs. Let's say you've got six-month-old lambs, low enough that they can reach in and drink, but not too low that a lamb, like a a, a week-old lamb or a month-old lamb, could drown in it yeah and I have seen this so frequently. Lambs drowning in any water situation, so wh- whether it's a dam or a pond or you know a deep trough you want to watch for that baths for example, they're fine as long as they're low enough for the you you lamb to actually drink out of um so it's just a a sort of a maybe up to your knee is a good little measurement to go with when it comes to your water troughs. then you want to think about how clean the water is. Is it clean enough, for example, uh, rather than under a tree where it's going to get full of tannins and leaf litter? It's going to be a pain to clean out. Uh, Is it in an area where it's going to get a lot of sunshine so therefore algae might grow? There's no perfect place for a trough. Some troughs we have to clean out so, so frequently and some troughs they seem to never need cleaning out at all. We've tried things like little water trough blocks um, to stop algae and some water troughs that get a lot of sun in summer and grow algae. And that does work. Yeah, that does, uh, does work. But I find just regular cleaning out maybe twice a year on the water troughs is really, really good. And that allows the ewes to have nice, clean, plentiful, fresh water to drink. And again, not too low, not too high. Uh, user and sheep are really good. They don't mess with ball um, ball floats in in water troughs where its cattle will wreck a loose um, ball valve or or ball um, float ball float in a water trough. They will absolutely wreck them. So hence, a lot of troughs have those hidden now. But old fashioned troughs, um, for example, our neighbor has cattle and they have put a color yellow on their floating ball valves so that they can see very clearly if there's an issue with that particular trough. Um, you know, they'll see the yellow in, on the top of the trough and then they'll know the trough is okay, which is a really, really good strategy to look at, particularly if um, you're not you know, walking in that paddock every single day, which most of us aren't walking in every single paddock every single day. So there's your water troughs. Uh, now a big question I get asked is, um, how big shed should I build for my sheep? And I know it's a funny question. You don't need a shed for your sheep. Is it a good idea to have a shed for lambing? Yeah. It it is a good idea, particularly to have an isolation bay for a sick sheep or a shed that you want to isolate a sheep in or something like that, a quarantine area. And we have multiple bays that we use for even showcasing rams at sale time and things like that. So little sheds or little covered areas are really, really good. But to be honest. Trees, canopy, wind protection, rushes even, clumps of um of bushes, they are really good shelter from wind and shade from the sun. Trees in particular provide really good shade from the sun. From the sun. The other thing you want to think about here with this sort of shade and shelter is, do you have drier paddocks for wetter conditions? If you have wetter conditions, can you move your sheep to drier areas? And can you manage that so that you have rotations around your paddocks and things like that? Um, So, or even think about like we have certain paddocks that the cows just, and even the horses just don't go into because they will just wreck them. So we'll only put maybe even just a few sheep or smaller sheep in particular paddocks just because they're so boggy. Any um, larger hooven animals will just wreck that particular paddock. and It's just not worth it then because then you'll just end up with other boggy issues in that paddock. So you've got to really sort of think about what are your paddocks looking like. Maybe even fencing off, and we've done this too, just fencing off some boggier areas if you know that there are constant issues with that particular area. So that's something else to think about too. Then you have your loading and um, uploading. So this is your ramp and race and your holding pen. So a couple of panels will be good and a ramp uh, and and some sort of facility to load and unload your sheep. It might sort of sound like, not going to do this, yeah, you will. You'll be surprised at how frequently you want to load and unload sheep, to, to move sheep around, take sheep different places. And you can build one, you can build one yourself, you can buy one. We were really lucky. We've got a cattle one here. It's kind of high for the sheep, but the sheep can jump down or I will put a bale of hay in a trailer if um, if I want the sheep to to have a bit of a softer landing. So the trailer is low, bale of hay, the race, and then the sheep go onto the bale of hay like a step and then step down into the trailer. And that loading race does the job. Uh, it's really quite good. And you're going to need ideally a holding pen so that you can have your sheep waiting before they're loaded or your sheep as they unload them, that they go into a particular holding plan and then maybe you can quarantine them there or maybe you want to drench them there, whatever it might be. Those sorts of things can be really good to to do with that, with animals. So loading and uploading, that can be really important. And again, you want something that's going to make your lives as easy as possible, as stress-free as possible. Um we, I don't know what it is about our sheep, but we do a lot of loading and unloading a lot. And even today, I had someone um, bring back an animal to me that was over somewhere else. And the, the particular animal just, just jumped on the trailer, no problem. <laughs> We're just used to getting on and off trailers. So, you know, sometimes it can be helpful to just um, yeah get them used to the particular area. And if they're used to the yards... And they're used to that sort of location, and that's where they're held. Then they'll probably be quite familiar and quite good at going on and off, um, on and off the, the trailer. Then you want to think about your sheep handling generally. So where are you going to manage your sheep uh, in terms of any vaccinations, drenches, maybe maybe even foot trimming if you're going to need to do that. A sick bay pen if you have a sick animal. So just general sheep handling and again you don't need anything fancy. I go to lots of little farms and they have four panels. They get the sheep used to going into those particular panels and we're able to do everything that we can do either from standing outside the panels and and look and managing the sheep or getting in with the sheep inside those little panel areas. Just that is enough. It really is enough. You don't need anything fancy um, if you want to upgrade your infrastructure at a later date, you definitely can. So, a couple of panels. Panels are in Australia. There are panels that are about sixty five. Oh no, actually, were sixty five dollars when we bought them, but they're now one hundred and ten. That's how much they've increased in in price. Um, I think I talked in another podcast about how these sheep like to see through the panels. So, panels with sort of slits in them are better. Panels with again smaller slits at the bottom larger slits at the top, just like with the ring lock, that really, really helps for managing different age sheeps, different size sheep, lambs, and so on. So again, when you're shopping for your panels, have a look at the, the distance between that as well. And then one of the other areas that I would also get you to think about with your sheep audit here, as well as looking through your fences, gates, water troughs, shade and shelter, uploading and loading, and your sheep handling is storage. You are going to need a little cupboard or a shed, and I would dedicate that to your sheep stuff. So when we came to our farm first, we had, there was a little strong room, like a workbench, work area, and in there there was everything. There was everything from screws and bolts to sheep French. And it was, you just kind of thought, yeah, you know what? This is kind of not ideal. And it's not even close to where I'm going to be working the sheep. So we are so lucky. We built our sheep yards around an old, tiny little old shed. Um, uh, like a small little shed that would be like, you know, the size of a pantry or something. It's really, really small. And it's brilliant. I just use it for my sheep stuff. And I've got a couple of old kitchen cupboards in there. And I've got things organized. And actually, a couple of old lockers in there and everything's just organized. So everything's, everything sheep is just in that shed. Now you could have this in a locker somewhere that you just know everything in there is dedicated sheep. So you've got your um, injectables, you've got your vaccinators, you've got your spray, your, your sheep marker, you've, you know, you've got any drenches or your ear tags and, you know, iodine and all the little bits that you're going to build up, all the little kit things you're going to build up for your sheep are going to be in that little shed. And that's going to make your life so much easier. And again, if you can have that really close to your sheep area where you're handling or managing your sheep, save you time, it's going to save you stress, and you're going to be able to find something. How good is that? And that's what we want. We want to be able to be easy, fast, efficient. Shepherds and shepherdesses and shepherding folk. And that's what we uh, ideally want. So, there's a few things to look for if you are going to buy land for sheep, things to do and audit on maybe in your current farm. How are you tracking? What do you need to do? What's next on the agenda for you? And perhaps a few little things to look at grading potentially in the future as well. So, how can you make things much more efficient? Uh, for you and for, of course, the most important people slash things in our sheep enterprise, which are the sheep. They will love everything that you do for them to make their lives a little bit better as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sheep Show podcast. Please take a moment to share this episode via your podcast app, email or social media channels. Each share helps us reach listeners just like you who can benefit from our sheep-focused content. Let me know how your sheep journey is going. Contact me via Instagram at Halston Valley Farm or via email jill at halstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Until next time, sheep well.